Hello, welcome back to the Life Nurse Podcast. Hope you all are doing well today. Um, November is such a fun month in watches. I think it's a time where you get to have the opportunity to look and watch and enjoy the auction uh, season. Uh, there were a ton of auctions that went on over the last weekend, and I thought I would kind of give you my thoughts on you know how it all went. It definitely was a an eventful um, time. I'll say that much. Um, most of the big auction houses had auctions that went on, and there was a real variety in um, the watches that were sold. I also think that we've kind of come to sort of a modest time, it feels like, um, with with a lot of the auction results that we saw this weekend, but this is only sort of one pulse of the, of, uh, of the auction season. Of course, there's going to be some more as we go into next year, so I think that will be telling for sure. I'll also go over two watches that we got in that are pretty exciting for me. Um, I've had one of them in the past and uh, fell in love with them again and decided to pick them two of them up again. So I'll talk about that towards the end of the uh, of the show. First auction I wanted to discuss was Antiquorum because I think Antiquorum was such a fun, um, such a fun auction to to see the results of and watch online um, if you don't know they had their important modern and vintage timepiece auction that took place in Geneva there were 481 lots I'll put a link in the show notes to the um, of this podcast to the to the results so you can see them um, but it was such an exciting auction because it I think Antiquorum demonstrated the variety of watches you can get the variety that you can get and um, the you know had something for every price range and that's why I really loved it so 481 lots it took place on the 5th and 6th of November so that was uh, Saturday and Sunday and their sales totaled 8.83 million uh, Swiss francs so um, I think if you just open up the the link that I sent you, you'll see that lot one was a Gublin black dial yellow gold um, anti-magnetic triple date with moon phase watch. Um, how cool is that? This is not it's not a modern Rolex. It's not a modern Patek Philippe. It's a vintage watch um, from the 1960s from a brand like um, Gublin. If you go to lot two, there was a Le Coultre Futuramatic with a black black dial and yellow gold from the 1960s. Um, that lot ended up selling for 2,500 Swiss francs. The variety is just what I love about Antiquorum, and in, in in many instances, the affordability. And what's really cool is, you know, sure, it's a little bit more affordable, but the quality of watches that they're selling aren't diminished by that at all. This Le Coultre Futuramatic, the case is in really nice condition, the dial is super clean, even patina on the uh, loom plots, um, such great detailing and really high quality movement from Le Coultre. But they did have things that, that were a little bit more um, a little bit more out there. Um, as an example, lot number seven, they had a universal um, aero compact retailed by Gumbina from the 1960s, 38 millimeter, beautiful watch, sold for 4,500. 
They had some other fairly significant pieces. I'll just quickly scroll through here just to take a look at them. But there are so many cool watches. I posted this one on, on Instagram. Lot number 14 was a Zenith S58 in steel with an incredibly beautiful brown dial. Um, 37 millimeters from 1958. What an amazing watch uh, and a beautiful piece for 2500 So, you know, I think Antiquorum was sort of a, a, a... for If you were looking for something that maybe... If, for me, I think Antiquorum is the place to start if you're looking to sort of dip your toe into into um, vintage watches, into the auction world, because they they um, sell very, very high-quality watches of so many different uh, watch brands. And I think that's um, what's exciting. They also do a really nice job providing details of these watches. Um, and uh, I think that's what I really... Um, really loved about seeing this I think for the most part they had um, a nice range of watches uh, selling for affordable prices but they also had some pretty big hitters like um, lot number um, 193 was a Patek Philippe 5170 with a black dial um, in 18 karat white gold and Oh, sorry, wrong auction. I, I apologize for that one. I was looking at the wrong one. I meant lot one lot number um, 194. Um, that was a reference 5040 perpetual calendar moon phase leap year indicator in 18 karat pink gold from 1995, and that sold for 32,500. And so you had, if you, you had the opportunity to see um, different watches out there, uh, which I thought was was quite nice. One of my favorite lots, uh, it, it's no secret, was uh, lot number 200 from them, which was a uh, reference uh, 1463 uh, two-tone silver dial with applied brig brigade numbers. It's a, um, as described as anti by Antiquorum, an extremely fine and rare attractive manual wine stainless steel chronograph watch with brigade numbers. Um, this one was sold in February 1951 by... Um, Tech Philippe and sold for 475,000 Swiss francs. So you had something like a Futuromatic that was lot number two that sold for 2,500, but then you also had a 1463 at this auction. I think this reaffirmed Anticorum's commitment to providing high quality watches of all brands that you may be interested in um, at varying price points, but all with the same high quality and um, high level of of um, skill required when, when, when producing these pieces. So really, for me, I, I, I think it was really cool. They also had some like interesting, just like t tidbits. So um, as an example, lot 277 was just a, um, uh, it was a uh, reference 1579 from Patek Philippe. It was just a dial, um, which I thought was kind of interesting that they sold. I. I, 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 the variety was definitely there, and they had some clocks and all those types of things. So, um, how awesome! How awesome! So, Antiquorum was one of them. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch that auction. I, I, I ended up watching the Philips um, Geneva watch day, um, watch auction um, for for most of the weekend. But um, I followed along and, and looked at the prices as they as they sold, and it was um, quite cool to, to see all that happen. As I said, there'll be a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. We move on to Christie's. Christie's had um, sort of two categories of, of auctions that took place. They had their legendary and unique watches auction that took place on November 6th. 
um, which was uh, Sunday, and then they had their rare watches auction that took place uh, today, uh, November 7th. As you can tell, I'm recording this the day before we release this podcast. Reason being is um, I wanted to see what all the results were. So um, in their legendary and unique watches, um, they had a variety of watches, but as described by the auction house, this remarkable auction of legendary and unique watches is an entirely unique phenomenon. It represents unquestionably the most important grouping of significant timepieces from many of the great watchmakers and brands over the past 30 years, including momentous historical landmarks. Among others, Richard Millet, François Pauljon, Gérard Pergot, and Audemars Piguet. This overwhelming theme of auction is the, is the world of high-performance motor racing, in particular Ferrari and Formula One. Indeed, many of the watches directly reflected reflect the world of motorsports and have direct links to great names in Formula One, including Michael Schumacher. The selection is particularly rich in unique pieces and prototypes, often specially made and dedicated to the makers themselves. One of the chief glories of this auction is one of the most important groups of Richard Millet early prototype watches ever offered at auction, many of which have been seen publicly before. And so, as you can tell from the description of this, many of these pieces had a direct link to um, to motorsports. Motor, motor so, as an example, lot number one for them was a Gérard Pergo um, split-second chronograph uh, in 18 karat yellow gold, which uh, has a Ferrari logo at 12 o'clock. Uh, it was sold in 1993, and um, so Ferrari logo obviously is gonna gonna make this watch stand out. And so, a lot of um, a lot of connection to motorsports. As mentioned, there was an extremely important collection of Richard Millet uh, chronographs, uh, Richard Millet watches that were sold um, during this during this auction. I'll get to that in a second. I'm kind of just scrolling through the, the, the lots. One of my favorites was lot 2027, which was an FP Journe Unique Platinum Limited Edition um, flyback chronograph with date. Um, take a look at this lot. It really is beautiful. It's from 2004. Um, incredibly um, beautiful uh Incredibly beautiful watch from from uh, from FP Jorn. I'll quickly skip down to the Richard Minas because there really was a and there's a lot of nice coverage that Christie's did about these watches, which I think I'm seeing a little bit more of. Uh, people trying, you know, watch auction houses trying to cover some more of their watches on YouTube and creating sort of. Um, uh, creating sort of lasting videos about some of the watches uh, that they're that they're auctioning. I think it's a good sort of marketing technique for them because that's how you're going to get people into uh, into um, into the auction room to bid on the on the watches. Um. So um, there there was um. A lot of Richard Miller's, but as an example, a uh, lot. Um, uh, what lot am I looking at here? Lot 2065 was an exceptionally rare and important prototype ultra lightweight metal matrix composite skeletonized tourbillon wristwatch with aluminum lithium movement and guarantee. 
This was uh, Felipe Massa Turbion uh, RM009 prototype, and this was number um, three from 2005. There's a really nice essay on this model. Um, uh, the watch is obviously named after the Brazilian Formula One racer, racing driver Felipe Massa, one of the first sporting figures to have joined the Richard Mille family as a brand ambassador. And in 2005, the same year the RM009 was launched, Massa began driving Ferrari, finishing third that season. So as you can tell, fairly significant prototype from Richard Mille. It ended up selling for just shy of 1.5 million Swiss francs, and many of the other results were like this. I didn't really follow this this auction too closely. I am a little bit more interested in vintage watches when I when I'm you know into auctions. So that was a little bit more uh, down my um, down my alley. Christie's also today on November seventh had the rare watches auction. This had a varying um, collection of significant watches from the likes of Rolex, Patek Philippe. Um, Vacheron Constant and many, many more Alain and Zuna. Um, there were some significant watches, as always, that were that were sold. Um, what's pretty um, evident with this with this auction was lot number thirty four, which was a Tiffany blue uh, blue dial uh, um, fifty seven eleven. It ended up selling for three point one seven four million Swiss francs. Just a wild figure for for something like that. I also noticed that the first four lots of this auction were um, the now discontinued Stella, um, Stella uh, Oyster Perpetuals that they released recently. Uh, interestingly enough, um, so they had the orange, the yellow, and the green. That was lot one, two, and three. And they sold for 25000 21000 21000 in that order. Lot number four was the Tiffany Blue Oyster Perpetual, and that sold for 53000 USD kind of insane that these are um the, the, you know the prices that they're fetching but uh continues to show that the the obscure to um rolex references is what people are attracted to and i couldn't agree more i think i think that's that shows collectability in my opinion rolex is a phenomenal brand they produce phenomenal watches and um i think the ability for them to um, change maybe some of the models that they have uh, is limiting and I think these horse perpetual shows that the fun that they can kind of have with um, with their watches but now they're discontinued so who knows what they're gonna do this next year with with uh, those watches I do wonder if they'll maybe have something that will come out lot 69 was also um, uh, was also kind of cool they had a Cartier crash um, this was a crash from 1991, uh, estimated 120 to 180 thousand Swiss francs, sold for 214. Country crashes are really popular. It's kind of nice to see actually that I think people are going towards more elegant, smaller watches. I think some people make comments about how smaller watches are or are now in. Uh, I think you can't make sweeping statements like that, but I do think they're getting more attention um, than than they used to, which I think is cool. Um, a lot of really beautiful lots on this. Again, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to, to all of these um, so you can check it out. I encourage you to encourage you to do so. There was a reference 130, lot 90, which was cool to see. I love um, the 130. It is smaller. Um, it's a, 
uh, particularly chronograph with brigand numbers, but uh, on the smaller side, this one had leaf hens uh, from 1944, 33 millimeters in diameter. For me, it fits my wrist really nicely, and I enjoy wearing it, but I think for some, it might be, um, it might be a little too small. So nice variety, very beautiful watches, um, and I can quickly scroll up here tell you the total that this auction actually fetched because I didn't do that at the beginning. Oh, wait, there's one more that I want to talk about before we go, and this was featured on Christie's um, Instagram page, actually. It was the last lot, 128, was a um, uh, very, very uh, rare and highly important 18-karat gold chronograph, uh, Lemon Paul Newman. So this is um, the reference 6239, uh, Paul Newman Daytona, excuse me, um, it's a 6263 um, Paul Newman Daytona um, from uh, 1969. What was interesting about this lot is it's a 6263, but the um, case back is Sam 6239. Uh, make of what, make of that what you, what you will, um, but a cool, cool reference either way. It ended up fetching 3.414 million Swiss francs, an incredible sum of money. I think the reason why it went for so much is um, condition. The condition of this is uh, this watch was is um, pretty good. You can still see a really beautiful hallmark on the lug uh, and the case metal uh, inscription as well. Movement's also in phenomenal condition. If you if you take a look at the pictures on this lot, so check out the show notes if you want to see this. So all in all, the rare watch auction fetched uh, just shy at 23.67 million Swiss francs. A nice result from them, and congratulations um, from uh, two Christie's for your uh, results. The last auction that took place over the last couple of days was the Geneva watch auction uh, number 16. This was a great, great auction. Um, took place between uh, November 5th and 6th. Um, that means Saturday and Sunday of this last weekend. Some really beautiful lots. I want to make a quick note. Uh, I was in New York, um, and I decided to, to go to Phillips to uh, pick up one of the catalogs. Um, Phillips is one of the, the last auction houses to offer a catalog where you can tangibly see the watches instead of going to their online um, catalog. There are many different ways you can look at this. Uh, you know, uh, There is something about printing catalogs that can be considered bad for the environment. I totally understand that. I also understand that it takes money to, to print catalogs, and, and so it's, it's, it might be a place where you can do the environment uh, 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 a favor and also help your you know the margins. But I do think that there is a different feel about having a catalog and being able to follow an auction while having a catalog. So I went to Phillips um, and uh, asked for a catalog. And um, unfortunately, they, they I think they hadn't unpacked them or something. Uh, but they had an exhibit on, on um, I think, postmodern art. So I decided just to go and watch that. They're going to take a look at that. And what was really cool is the um, representative at Phillips uh, came to me while I was at the uh, exhibition and gave me one of the catalogs um big shout out to to you you know who you are if you're gonna listen to this i doubt you will be but um really uh want to say a huge thank you for for your kindness um 
and uh and um and yeah i don't don't really have much more to say besides thank you um so by the way catalog is absolutely exceptional if if i get a moment i'll maybe uh create a youtube video so i can show you all the catalog it really is a beautiful um beautifully put together and, and some nice uh, information on it so uh tons of tons of lots i think they had 232 lots over the two two-day period um everything from modern to vintage watches some really beautiful watches that were sold but one thing that was quite cool is it was interesting well a couple things um there were a lot of watches in this auction where the owners said anything over the retail price of this watch would be donated to charity or the full amount of this watch would be donated to charity i thought that was really cool it's doing good with something that we love and i, I really enjoyed that I also just want, you know, I think something else I wanted to talk through is it felt kind of soft. I don't know if that was me just like expecting crazy records all the time, but it felt like things weren't selling for these exorbitant amounts of money. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we are um, kind of tapering off right now or we're in sort of a, you know, we're all kind of taking a breath and seeing where we are macroeconomically like totally could be could be the could be the the direction that we're going in but it did feel like we kind of took a deep breath and 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 um and uh and are, are going to take a look at what's what's going to happen but some really incredible results obviously there was um a ton of things that were being celebrated during this uh during this auction um, I've covered a couple of the lots that I thought were quite interesting, I believe, on this podcast before. Um, so it, I highly recommend you take a look at the Phillips website so you can see the auction results. One of the most significant watches that sold was obviously um, George Daniel's personal watch uh, called the Spring Case Turbial. Uh, this watch has an incredibly beautiful case that allows you to pop out the essentially the where the where the dial side of the watch is. Allows you to pop it out and reveal the backside of the watch, where there's this beautiful turbion being sold or being um, uh, operating. It's over for over four million Swiss francs, which I believe was the uh, most expensive lot at the auction. At auction, there's also a beautiful anniversary from George Daniels that sold for just shy of seven hundred thousand Swiss francs. I believe that is a record, um, and uh, some some pretty cool, pretty cool watchmaking uh, there. I mentioned um, the. Tiffany Blue Dial Oyster Perpetuals that sold at um, at uh, the Rare Watches auction by Christie's. Interestingly, the one that Christie's sold for fifty three thousand, the one at Phillips, which was lot number one, sold for thirty thousand Swiss francs. There's a real difference there. I'll let you analyze the two watches to figure out what the difference was, um, but a pretty significant difference between those two watches. There were incredible watches. There's uh, uh, the first known, the only known 2499 that was manufactured and sold with a black dial, according to the extracts in the archives, there was a beautiful salmon dialed 5070. The list really goes on with the watches that they were able to source. I think Philip's ability to source some incredible, the variety and quality of watches was quite, um, was quite astonishing. They also, um, you know, again, vintage, modern. They they had a, a little bit of everything in in this auction. They had some really cool prototype um, 
Speedmasters that were fairly rare and went for a, uh, a decent amount. And I'm sure the Speedmaster collector who got these would be very, very happy to have them as part of their collections. Um, there was a Zero Graph Rolex um, reference 3933, which was sold by buyer that went for 138000 That was a really exciting um, bit of bidding. Uh, there were, I think, uh, the two bidders really took their time, and that was quite cool. There was a Tiffany reference 130, which I had mentioned um, from the, uh, from the uh, Rare Watches auction as well. The list really goes on. I don't want to go through all of these uh, lots just to just to bore you, but I highly recommend taking a look at the at um at the lots. If you don't um if you don't follow these auctions, I think it's a really nice place to learn about vintage watches. One because the catalogs give you some really nice detail about the watches and and the histories of them. Two, I think it also just gives you a pulse of like what these watches are are like quality wise you you know i highly recommend going and visiting these auction houses when they have um uh, exhibitions of these watches so you can feel them in your hand and see them on your wrist because that's a really great way of um learning what these watches um watches are like in person so um some pretty cool uh some pretty cool watches at this at this auction um Oh, one more thing I wanted to give a shout out to was MBNF had two watches featured in in the Philips Geneva watch auction. They had a LM Perpetual which sold for 176,000 and they had a, a HM3 Sidewinder that sold for 52,000. Nice to see independents making their making their mark in these in these auctions. Last thing I wanted to mention was um, just a, a note about a reference 5270T that is being auctioned by Oral Box. Um, it is a unique 5070T um, that is going to be sold. Uh, this is the first reference 5270T available in titanium, a metal that Patek Philippe uses only in very rare instances. Um, this is watch is going to be auction, auctioned at uh, children at the children's auction. Um, and um, it was donated by Patek Philippe um, to to raise money for this um, for this uh, for this um, charity auction. Uh, there is a video that that um, Phillips made. To describe um, both the auction and the watch, and I highly recommend you watch it. I'll pull a link in the description to the Phillips uh, article and the video, so you can take a look at that um, to understand really what's uh, what Patek Philippe is doing here. It's a unique piece. The tile is just wild, um, and uh, it's incredible emerald green green dial so anyway I, I won't I'm not going to talk about it too much here but I, I recommend that you read the article and watch the video if you haven't seen it all right um, so last thing I wanted to talk about was two watches that we got in so if you don't know I love MBNF I think it's pretty easy for, for someone to know that if you've ever if you followed me or life on the wrist at all um, and uh, obviously the designs of the watches are pretty pretty crazy um, I 
had the opportunity to um, to explore a lot of their watches, um, and one of the watches that I thought was really cool was the um, was the uh, I believe it's the HM5. Uh, let me make sure I don't want to misquote here. Um, because I don't want to send you guys down the wrong path. Um, yes, the uh, HM5. So the HM5 is a watch where uh, it was inspired by um, basically the back of a car from the 1970s. And um, it was also inspired by a watch that was released in 1976 called the Amida Digitrend, which was a watch that looks very very similar to the HM5 where you actually have a jumping hours mechanism with a horizontal time display that's projected onto sapphire a uh, sapphire glass um, these watches were about 40 millimeters in diameter and came in two variations one in stainless steel and one with a PVD um, finishing to it um, the, the the watches the movement movements in these watches were a very um, simple I think it was like a uh, lever escapement one jewel movement which is really nothing too special and um, broke fairly often and so a lot of the times the movements were replaced by watchmakers I had the opportunity to have one of the PVD finished uh, Amida Digitrends a couple of years ago um, that I really enjoyed um, experiencing in really great condition PVD was in good condition as well um, and uh, an absolute just just super fun watch to be able to experience I kind of uh, was reminiscing about that watch and had gotten a lot of inquiries about it because I, I do have some, uh, you know, fairly de uh, fairly detailed pictures and an article on our website about this watch. And so I ended up sourcing two Amida Trends, um, which was really cool. Both of them are stainless steel, so I don't have the black PVD finished um, ones, but I do have two of them. Um, and they're in pretty great condition. The, the it's such a fun watch to wear because when someone looks at it or sees it on your wrist, it's not something that you it's not something they would expect, and so you kind of have to do a little bit of work to explain what you actually have on your wrist. Um, but a really fun watch uh, to 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 have. I'll put links in the show notes so you can see them both. I'm going to be covering both of them in a video on our website, so stay tuned for that. Um, but I thought I would just mention it in case you like the Amida Digitrend and wanted to check out some cool pictures about it. Well, this is a 30-minute podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. I hope uh, it was fun kind of talking through these auctions. I'll put a link in the show notes to all the auctions. Congratulations to uh, NC Quorum, Christie's, and Phillips for the, your wonderful auctions that you hosted and, and the results that you had. I'm, I'm positive that the buyers of these watches that you had uh, listed and auctioned off are happy with their purchases and I'm equally as positive that the sellers are going to be happy as well with the results. If you are new to Life on this podcast, be sure to follow us and if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating, it really does help me out. Check out our website if you want some more content from me. You can also follow us on our social media accounts if you want some more daily content from me. With that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time.